Hey, what's up, DBC fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let us explain. Well, first of all, Freddie, the best part is it's free. There's nothing better than using a free, awesome service. To make the process simple and easy, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor helps people find your show by distributing the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. Also, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I like like money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. We love using Anchor. It's a great platform that lets us hear from the fans and reaction theater with Anchor's Leave a Message feature. So when you create your account with Anchor, you can also utilize their feature and make your own podcast. TJ will uh, be your first guest. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. This is Dale Jr. and you're listening to Dirty Mo Radio. Outside, door, bumper, clear the 18th. Best car I had here in a long time. You're going to do it. You're going to win it. Right with you. You're clear. Check the flag. You win. Oh, yeah! Woo! Hey everybody, I'm TJ Major, spotter of the 88 in the Cup Series and the 7 in the Xfinity Series. And joining me from long distance today would be the one and only. Hey guys, Brett Griffin, spotter for Elliot Sadler and Clint Boyer. And I'm actually in the Thousand Oaks, California, just north of L.A. And really thankful that One Main's bringing this show to you guys today. And we also have our lovely co-host with us, Kristen Bauer. Hey guys, this is Kristen, and I work in the marketing and sponsorship department here at Junior Motorsports. Mm. Did you read that this week? Because I'm not here to see. <laughs> yeah, she did read it right off the paper. I added and sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe about like after the you know one of the the October or November races, she'll have it memorized. Homestead, Homestead. <laughs> Hopefully, should, that's, should, a, that's a long. DJ, shot. did you ever hear back about how many uh, how many hits? Got how many dates she got asked on last week after our yeah mingle. You know, uh, I had heard I heard she got like a hundred new followers. So we're gonna have to work on that. We gotta up the we gotta up the level of the you know the pool a little bit. We gotta get the pool bigger for her. Sure, um, sure. So I think everybody should tweet her and they should they should copy me and you and they should attach. <laughs> I took a picture of her. My phone will blow up. On a date with. I took a picture of her just a few minutes ago and she's making a really cute face. So I'm I think we should I'll tweet that and <laughs> I'll tag you. And we'll see what Kristen yeah. Mangle can come up come up with. Yeah, we we got to market her a little better because I don't think we we had a real productive week last week. But we'll work on it. The West Coast kind of gets us out out of the sink a little bit on it, so we'll work on it for you. Brutal. Well, yeah. yeah. Speaking of West Coast, this is the last week coming up, man. What do you think about Phoenix the race? Uh, I thought the Cups race was really good. I noticed guys catching each other and passing each other. It's a little bit different than we've had in the past. A lot of times you could catch somebody and you would still have to follow them a little bit. But with the new rules package, I saw guys moving around and able to pass still. So that was uh, a little refreshing. I think the Xfinity Series could use a little bit of work in that direction with the cars to, you know, make it a little, make them harder to drive where the guys, you know, can pass and there's more um, more separation, you know, more, you know, just guys having to drive harder and, and uh, having to work. Yeah, the Xfinity Series, I mean, Gibbs is just, they're, they're dominant right now. They're, yeah. they're running one, two, three every week, and I think you and I could get in the cars and still run one, two, and three with them. I you agree. Know, they're that good. Our junior motorsports cars were really good. Another top ten effort for all three teams. You know, Elliott certainly had a lot better car than fifth, but we had some things happen on pit road that cost us some spots and cost us some time. But 
you know, I feel like our car car was a fourth or fifth place car, so definitely going in a good direction. Prior yeah, guys, that cup race for me, man, was a snooze fest. I was you pretty know, excited I, about your Xfinity race. A lot of single race. file racing, and just in general, I didn't see a ton of passing. You know, I, I feel like it was the, the, the old car of tomorrow race. You know, where it was a snooze fest, and then at the end we throw uh, get a late race caution, and then we put on a hell of a show for the for the finish, which by the way was a hell of a finish, and and Kevin and Carl were getting after it. I think it was really cool though that tires mattered you know we still saw the guy with no tires hold him off but when you have different strategies play into the end of the race where guys are on no tires two tires and four tires and it makes a difference i think that adds a way more exciting element than everybody just staying out and repeating what we've been watching for the last 310 laps yeah i i think um before the last four or five races you couldn't see cars come from the back to the front very easily they had to do they had to have some strategy stuff happen. And this last race, I mean, we started 26th, and we drove up to 6th the very first run, and Jimmy came from the back. And Denny, after a, you know a early to mid-race penalty, was able to drive back up through there as well. So I saw a little more passing, and I saw the guys having to drive harder than what I think they have in the past. But um, as far as a pretty successful Xfinity race, like you said, for all the junior motorsports cars, and even like, you know, you got Elliott and, your uh, rookie crew chief there, Kevin, did a good job of getting it dialed in for the race. And uh, you guys had a solid run. Not what it should have been, but definitely something to build off of. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Kristen, why don't you take us into the next segment? We are going into spot on, spot off. Brett, you want to explain a little bit about what that is? Yeah, yeah. So these guys are going to rattle off some topics. Producer Josh usually comes up with all of our stuff. And, uh, and TJ, and I'll tell you if it's spot on or spot off. The Phoenix recap, seventh closest finish in NASCAR history. Man, spot on. What a, what a great deal. I mean, you know, Carl comes from the back with tires. Kevin's got no tires. Kevin's pretty much the best guy at Phoenix, you know, no arguing that. So to, so to be able to see Kevin hauled off a guy with tires, they're beating and banging. Carl tried to move him out of four. Man, great, great finish for the fans. Yeah, definitely spot on there. Hate to agree with them, but definitely spot on. That was awesome to see somebody get up there. That was short tracking, man. That's what we need more of. It'd be awesome if we could do that at South Boston and Myrtle Beach. Jimmy Johnson's steering wheel, spot on or spot off? Ooh. Man, that's definitely spot off. <laughs> I, you know, we saw a really bad accident a few years ago during uh, an Xfinity race where Steve Park's steering wheel popped off and Larry Foy hit him, and it, it injured Steve really, really bad and and never he never really recovered from that he came back and raced some but he was certainly not the steve park that we came to know so you know that's just one of those deals it's, it's an accident uh, all of these drivers have interior guys and the interior guys job is literally to make sure the driver's compartment is safe and and it's also to assist the driver when the driver gets in the car and buckles in and part of that process is popping the steering wheel off and on and, and the driver has to make sure it's locked in and, and that interior guy also has to make sure it's locked in. Before the races start, we actually have officials that help us make sure that it's locked in. So, TJ, tell them a little bit about, you know, you race. Tell them a little bit about the steering wheel, why it has to pop off, and how the whole thing actually works. Yeah, the way the steering wheels are these days, you wouldn't be able to get into the car as tight as they are to the seat and how your legs go underneath the steering wheel. You wouldn't be able to get in and out of the car without having the steering wheel off. But over the years, they've they've obviously made it easier. It's the... It's probably the first or second thing that you learn when you get in a race car. You learn when you get first get in, the first thing you kind of learn is how to do your belts and make sure they're all hooked and um, and how to pull down on them and snug them up really tight. And the second thing you learn is when you put the steering wheel on, you hear it click and you actually tug back on it and pull it, pull it to you to make sure it will not come off. So 
you know, like it, it, it's good to have an interior guy check that stuff. But, you know, you know how it is in qualifying sometimes when you're trying to get out and make a quick run or, you know, they're, you're running out of time. You, they're trying to get certain stuff done and the window net up and stuff. It's mainly the driver's job to actually put that steering wheel on and pull it back on to make sure it's it's safe. But we just get so comfortable with it over the years that when you put it on there, it locks 99% of the time. It's going to lock, and, you know, you're not going to have a problem with it. But in this instance, it didn't. So hopefully um, it'll bring some light back to that, and these guys will make sure they check their steering wheels and we don't have an accident like that. Again, we saw a lot of we saw a lot of pretty hard hits at Phoenix this weekend throughout practice and the races and stuff, even qualifying now. So hopefully uh, – Hopefully that brings some light back to this, and these guys can start checking that pretty pretty solid again. Yeah, another thing is, I mean, when they wreck, the steering wheel is, is actually a tool they use, you know, before they hit the wall. I know Elliot likes to grab the bottom of the wheel and get the fetal position before he, you know, is going to hit the wall. So I mean, in Jimmy's situation, when it pops off, man, he is literally along for the ride with nothing to even hold on to or hang on to before he hits. Yeah, you definitely hold onto the wheel. It's kind of like you said, you don't want your hands flying all over and hitting stuff. So you're gripping the wheel pretty hard, and to lose that. As hard as he hit, that had to be pretty – I wouldn't want to go through it. No, heck no, man. I'm with you. Lapped cars make it difficult to race, spot on or spot off. Oh, man. Spot on. They make it difficult to race, but they're a part of the show, and they have every right to be racing there, and they need to be – you know, they're running their own race. They might – everyone's everyone has their own race, and it might be, you know, the 30 race in the 98 for 25th, but that's important to them at the time. So, um, you know, the last – last run of the race if you're spread out it's give and take you give more than you take at that point but you know i i, I kind of enjoy lap cars they make it interesting it, slow cars and fast cars are what what makes it a race I, I will say this though you know we have this long standing debate or, or nascar drivers athletes and when you have a guy like mike Harmon, who clearly by looking at this guy you can tell he's not an athlete right and then he, you take the guy and if he's at minimum speed i'll kiss everybody's ass on the grandstand that the car's in the way it's it's not there's a difference in being part of the show and being in the way the guy was in the way the entire race or whoever was driving the 74 this week in the 15 man those guys were super annoying come on man <laughs> you know i i think you and mike might have the same mentality man you're both athletes you're not trying to be the best at working out <laughs> <laughs> melted beads lead to tire failure teams are good year spot uh, on spot off teams 100 percent. we got the fans to cool them and um we take temperatures throughout practice, and even during the race, we have temperatures from the the wheels when we pull them off. So you've got to manage that stuff correctly and uh, take care of your equipment. Yeah, I mean, a lot of pressure is on Goodyear to produce a good race. I mean, at the end of the day, the tire is what is actually touching the racetrack. And if it's a good tire, we're going to put on a good race. If it's not a good tire, we're not. And Goodyear fears tire failure for obvious reasons. So... When you, when you have, you know, when I saw the first RCR car hit the fence, I was like, huh, wonder if we have a tire problem or a setup problem. And then you see another RCR car hit the wall, and you're like, man, it's probably an RCR problem. And then you see another car hit the wall, and you're like, well, maybe it's not an RCR problem. Maybe it's a tire problem. So I'm not 100% up to speed on exactly what was going wrong, but at the end of the day, I want Goodyear to stay aggressive on you know, giving us good tires that are going to have fall off and create passing. And, and I feel like They've done that for the most part, you know, this, this year. I, I feel like that, you know, at the at the end of the day, this probably does fall on teams. Yeah, I'll tell you, we were having – Dale Jr. forgot to flip his fans on one run during the race, and he lost a lot of his brake pedal, and that's when we were running about fifth or sixth. And um, he didn't realize, and we told him fans on everything. He just didn't flip them on, and he lost his pedal. But then he realized that after that run, we had a caution. 
and he flipped him back hey, on. Hey, you guys, when you drove up under green and took the lead, man, what'd you, did he say anything over the radio, or did you say anything? Uh, no, I told him, you know, clear driving away, then he just wanted peace and quiet. Yeah. So, but he, yeah, that was uh, really entertaining. Great answer. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> he, he likes to get in a rhythm, man. He doesn't, he gets in the zone when he's driving and he doesn't, you know, you, you try to give important stuff, but he gets in a really good rhythm and you just try not to, try not to, you know, get him out of it. But, uh, Hey, those fans, we had an issue. We had an issue on lap five where Clint's out there running and, you know, we started in the back, we're passing some cars and he keys up and says, I've got a loose wheel, which Jesus, you're not supposed to ever have a loose <laughs> wheel to start the race. Nonetheless, yeah. we had a loose wheel. So we lose two laps. We come back out, you know, we're running, you guys are racing. The next thing, I hear Clint Kim go, holy shit, man, is that Dale Jr. leading behind me? I was like, yeah, and, and Dale Jr. and Clint hung out a bunch in Vegas, yeah. you know, the week leading into Phoenix. So it's, it's cool when those guys get to bond and then and they're happy for each other when they do well, you know. I will say Clint did did um, host us one time. He let Dale Jr. bring a, um, a handful of our crew out to uh, his house at the Ozarks one time, and it was a lot of fun. Clint was a really, really cool guy, and, a, and uh, he's just normal fun dude to hang out with. Yeah, there's nothing more fun than going to Lake of the Ozarks during the middle of the summer. If if our millions of listeners have got to go to Lake of the Ozarks, yeah. and I'll even meet them there. Yeah, I threw up. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, what do you got, Kristen? All right, let's go into the next segment, which is Fastlane. Uh, quick overview. I'm going to give TJ and Brett a topic to debate, and I'm going to alternate who responds first. Each of them will get 30 seconds to voice their opinion, and then whoever responded first will get a 30-second rebuttal. Four of the six topics will pertain to racing, and two will be what we consider off the wall non-racing. Re what? Oh, we're we gonna do this. We're we gonna do this Re dance what? every episode. <laughs> 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 All right, ready? Yeah. Brett, this goes to you first, yep. okay? So NASCAR has announced that they're gonna look into restricting contact between suspended crew members and the non-suspended crew members at track. This comes mainly from the 78 crew chatting with their suspended crew chief via FaceTime. Is this something NASCAR should be able to police or something that it's going to happen regardless? Man, that's a tough one. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think with with technology, you're going to have a hard time, you know, not being able to get to your crew chief. I mean, the, the, the crew chief can look at lap times literally online on his computer. They've got message boards and message rooms and, and all kinds of apps like FaceTime that they can use to talk to each other. So I don't know how you can police it. I mean, clearly you can say you can't do it, but at the end of the day, if the crew chief has all those tools, I don't know how you're going to be able to keep him away. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how you police it either, other than sitting a guy on the on the pit box with them, um, monitoring what they would do. But there's so many ways you can contact each other between texting and um, messenger services and FaceTime. FaceTime, I'm not even sure would really work out during the race. It'd be loud and it'd be hard to hear. But, um, um, as far as just texting and, and, uh, chatting, it, it's going to be hard, but I definitely, I definitely like the fact that they're trying to get rid of the guy from calling a race. At home. Maybe we do away with the crew chief suspensions and we just put them in jail for that weekend. <laughs> like literally put them in a jail, NASCAR jail. Times a day. <laughs> That'll 100% keep them from being able to talk to their team. Otherwise, I think it's a lost cause. Hmm. TJ, this is going to start with you. <clears throat> Since 2012, Kevin Harvick has won six out of the last eight races at Phoenix. As spotters, do you look at the lines that he runs at PIR and look to mimic that, or does he just have it figured out there? Every driver has tracks they're really good at, and Phoenix is Kevin Harvick's track. He's really good there. 
Um, he's obviously good at other places, but when you go to a short track like Phoenix, um, he's going to be a factor. It's not necessarily the line that he runs. He just knows the field that he's looking for, and he, he's gotten really good at telling his crew chief what he wants, and, and um, you know, Rodney's done a really good job of figuring out how to give it to him. But you definitely look at what they do and run, but doesn't mean your car is going to run there. Yeah, you, I, I definitely watch and pay attention to his line at Phoenix and at all the places where he's fast. I mean, we all know who the best drivers are at certain racetracks, and, and Kevin is certainly the hottest driver right now at Phoenix. So we 100% pay attention to what he's doing. And his entry into the corner at a lot of places can be a lot different than what other guys are doing. So you have to pay attention to that arc and how he gets to the bottom. And, and, and again, he's obviously really good at figuring it out, he and Rodney. Brett, I liked your line Sunday. Most of the time it was on the apron. <laughs> it wasn't fun. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Brett, who is the most underrated driver in the Cup Series right now? Oh, man, right now I think you got to go with Austin Dillon. I mean, this kid's busting off top tens left and right. They had a lot of speed at some of the downforce tracks. I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens this weekend at California because this is such a great racetrack. And, and we kind of set ourselves up to get ready for the summer because we'll leave California, hit a couple short tracks, and then we're on a mile-and-a-half downforce run for, for the summer. So I think Austin right now is probably the most underrated guy out there. Yeah, I don't know if Austin's really underrated because he's kind of coming into the role that everyone kind of expected him to, to take over when he first started. He's starting to run like he's figuring it out and starting to put together some solid finishes. So I don't know if he's really – I think he's kind of kind of coming around to, to where, where he should be. Maybe um, – my underrated driver might be, I don't know, I'm kind of drawing a blank. Maybe a guy that hasn't had a, a, a really good ride to, to show his talents. Maybe, a, maybe a, I'll tell you what, I like what DiBenedetto is doing in 83. Yeah, DiBenedetto's certainly running top 20 in equipment that may or may not be top 20 worthy. But I think Austin came in with very high expectations. I mean, he's a truck series champion, Xfinity series champion, and then Man, for whatever reason, struggled to stay in the top 20, and now he's he's consistently doing that. I mean, there's Landon Castles and other guys out there that you can say are underrated, but I think I think right now it's awesome. How important is car number to a team's identity? TJ. I think everyone sees the car and they associate it with it. Like it just becomes second nature. You just you just kind of get used to it. People get tattoos and stuff, so it's, <laughs> so it's pretty important. Um, I don't know. I think it's I think it's very important. Car numbers are part of the brand of the team. So, you know, the fans can't see the driver when he's in the car when they're sitting in the stands. They can see the car numbers. So I think car numbers are extremely important. Clearly there are numbers that have been made super famous in our sport, like the 43, the 3, the 21. So, I mean, you see those car numbers on cars, and it's nostalgic. It's cool. And you think of, you know, the King driving the 43 and Dale Earnhardt driving the 3. So, man, it's super important from a branding, marketing and even sometimes a sponsorship perspective, we've got the one on the one main car. Um, yeah. Once again, I think it's people see a number and they just associate. It doesn't it, they? Don't even have to think about it. They see, obviously, they see the three. They go right to Childress, Richard Childress. Um, you know, now you see the twenty-four. It's Hendrick, no matter what. When you see twenty-four, it's no matter what car it's on, where it's at. You you think of Jeff Gordon and Hendrick Motorsports. Um, I think it's just become second nature to people. The first off-the-wall topic, Brett, Steph Curry is probably the best player in the NBA right now and the most popular one. Do you believe in the hype? Will he go down in the books as one of the greats alongside Jordan, Bird, Magic, Kobe? 
Man, I think he's the best shooter to ever live. I mean, this guy's broken his own three-point record three years in a row, and, and the season isn't even over yet. I mean, this guy's still got 15, 20 games to play. So he's definitely one of the best shooters. Right now he's one of the best players. I don't know how long you know, his body will let him stay as athletic as he is as far as you know his ball movement and stuff. But, yeah, he's absolutely one of the best players to ever play the game. And the cool part is he's one of the shorter ones to do it. I mean, he's an Allen Iverson height with, with just mad skills. I appreciate the short compliments there. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's definitely, like he said, one of the best shooters. Now, will he be the best ever? That's only – we're going to need another seven, eight years to tell that because you remember Derrick Rose that was really good and then he got hurt. And now there's so many memes and, and give files about him that he's just not to say he won the MVP and he never came back and was the same player ever since. So I like what I see in Steph Curry, and I, it's, he's a really fun to watch and entertaining, and uh, I hope he comes to Charlotte. It comes down to wins in our sport. You've got to win races. It comes down to championships in their sport. So he has won championships. If, if he can continue to get number two, number three, number four, number five, there's going to be no debating how great he is. The second off-the-wall topic, TJ, astronaut Scott Kelly spent an entire year in space. If you had, to, if you had the opportunity to go to space, would you? And would you go for a year and a day to break his record? I would not go to space for a year. I've watched um, <laughs> that Mars movie, The Martian. The Martian. Yeah, I've watched that, and I, that terrifying. guy spent way too much time up there. I like too many things on Earth to go to, to go to Mars, unless unless there's like a really cool city on Mars that you can go and hang out in. I have no reason to go to Mars. I hate to fly, but <laughs> I think if I had an opportunity to go to the moon, I would probably just have to take a bunch of Xanax and get on the space shuttle and risk it and go to the Go do it, man. It looked uh, it looked really cool. That guy's always tweeted out great pictures. I would be very worried about how you go to the bathroom with zero gravity, though. That that scares me probably the most. I mean, if you got some pressure, you're good, right? <laughs> if you got a little pressure, it's like writing your name in the snow. It's not. <laughs> we could just catheter you. <laughs> or you could do that. <laughs> I mean, the catheters don't work, you know, all the time. So. That was, I think that's kind of. It seems like it could get really messy really yeah. quickly just based on the whole zero gravity. Thing, yeah. You know? Splat. <laughs> nice ending to that. Okay, so we have chosen. You brought it up. Yeah. Bring it up. You, you brought, brought it, up. it up. It's true. We have chosen the best or funniest five hashtag AskDBC questions to ask the guys here today. Um, at the end, the guys will choose their favorite question that I pose to them, and the person that asks the question will receive an Elliot Sadler autographed hat in the mail from yours truly. This one comes from at SVT Cobra John. Do most or any spotters get paid just to spot, or are there other jobs that they have on the team? I think most most spotters are now full time spotters. There's probably only two guys that I can think of offhand that also work on the cars, and um, I think one of them might be on the 23. And I think Tab Boyd, who spots for Logano, might also work in the shop as well. But other than that, I think pretty much everyone else is just full time spotters. Yeah, I actually am a full-time spotter and also run a marketing company and also manage Elliot. So I've got three jobs. TJ is, is a stay-at-home dad during the week. So <laughs> TJ is absolutely right. I mean, for the most part, you know, these guys are, are full-time spotters now. It, it requires so much of our time, you know, on Fridays and Saturdays and obviously the race on Sunday. But we're, we're up there, man, you know, six, seven, eight, nine hours a day. I mean, just, just know that right now – as I got up and fed my little girl this morning and got her to school, Brett got up and probably sipped 
sipped uh, some tea in a banana hammock in Northern California or Southern California, wherever he's at. That's quite the visual. Working his other jobs. It's delightful. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bloody Marys and, and cell phones allow everything to happen. And banana hammocks. It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our second question comes from at NASCARFan88 underscore 54. If you guys could build your own track, where would it be and what characteristics would it have? Hmm, go ahead. Man, I am a huge fan of like the Denver, Colorado area. So I think it's such a pretty place and, and I think racing in the summer there would be fantastic. So I would build a track on the west side of Denver and I would make it like a Bristol, man. We got enough big tracks. I love short track racing and that's 100% what I would do. The altitude would be crazy there. That would be interesting to see how yeah. that factors into and the drivers the, and the... And yeah, we the, used to race at Pikes Peak, so I the mean, legal yeah, it's stuff. really, really oh, cool. Oh, wow, that's right. All the legal stuff you can get there and nowhere else. <laughs> Um, I would build, I would build either, um, a, a Martinsville that I could run at night, um, or a Talladega and I would put it in Southern California, but probably closer to civilization that would like to come and see it. I think there's a market there for the people, but I don't think, you know, we need to give them some excitement. We need to either go really, really fast or beat and bang. And I think a Saturday night Martinsville race out there might be pretty fun. This third question comes from at Antsu1. How is it determined where you stand on the spotter stand? Do you always stand beside the same person? Uh, strength and I win. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, we uh, we kind of all been doing this. We've got a group of us, of probably 30 of us that have been doing it for the for years and years, 10 years probably, and, or more with some of them. We've been going to the same spots every, every track we go to, so we just kind of know where we're going, and you just – you know, we move around a little bit. Like, you know, this weekend you might stand next to somebody else, and you go just you just like where you're at, and then it's kind of fun because you get, be next to another guy in Fontana. You'll be next to a different guy in Phoenix, and you kind of talk to him and get you know you kind of learn about their personal life a little bit more and get caught up, even though you kind of know them. But it, it, um, you just go to where where you're used to and where you always stood for the last handful of years. To me, yeah, as long as I'm not beside anybody smoking a cigarette, I'm fine. <laughs> so there's no seniority yeah. to where you stand. Or no. does anyone ever get has, has the only time, fights occurred? The only time we have a problem is when we go to Indy. Rocky Ryan usually goes to the roof at like four in the morning and marks his corner off. And um that's kind of it. So no one's ever gotten in a fight over a spot. Not over a spot. You just move the guy's tape if you're standing there already. You just move it, be like, dude, I've been standing here for like fifteen years and um that's basically it. Gotcha. Uh, fourth question from at T-Bay Finn. What is the one amenity or comfort that every spotter stand should have? <laughs> Bathroom, man. <laughs> Bathroom, and it'd be awesome if we had roofs. Well, some little type of awning or something to stand under half the time. What do you think? Yeah, during the summer, I would 100% vote for a shade like to go over us because, man, it's hot. But if we're not going to get a shade, at least give us a, a cooler of water. Because if we take waters up there and it's 100 degrees, then our water's 100 degrees You know, an hour yeah. later. So. Some tracks were really good at it. Phoenix, for example, gave us tons of water for the weekend, and some we they go do. to don't give us anything. So, yeah. you know, so we definitely need water or we need shade. Places like Phoenix, Dover, um, I'm trying to think of a couple other tracks that, that throw coolers up there for us, and they actually do fill it with some waters and stuff, and they put ice in it. So if you did bring your own drink of your choice, you know, you like some soda or something, you could stick it in there and keep it cold. So it's nice to it's nice to see some of the tracks take a, you know, a, a tiny bit of interest in what we do and how long we're up there and, and um, show a little care for us. 
Yeah, Joey Chitwood last year at Daytona when we raced at like three in the morning. Pizza. That's I raced. He actually brought us pizza. Really? Man, which was awesome. You don't, yeah. You don't see me presidents or racetracks worried about spotters. So that was really cool for him to do that. That's cool. Who won that race? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> <laughs> what you got next? At M. Bishop Photos, the weirdest thing that you have ever seen from the spotter stand. Go ahead. <laughs> well, uh, you have too many. My good friend Billy O, who, who now spots for Paul Menard and I, were at Talladega, and uh, this well-endowed lady about ten rows below us, uh, <laughs> she flashed us. So that was probably the, uh, that the, weird? the weirdest thing I've seen from the roof. And man, I know she's a listener, and so just want to give her a shout out. We appreciate that. <laughs> what do you? I don't get it. What do you mean, big longs? What do you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Like Brett said, you see some. I think at Talladega when we go there, we see there's always this group of people that dress like they're from the 80s or something, and they wear the sometimes they'll have fluorescent stuff on like they just came from a, a glow stick party, and the next time you see them, they look like they got mullets and and yeah, all sorts like of stuff. It's like a Night of the Roxbury movie. Yeah, something. and it's uh it's actually kind of funny. Um, I will say that um one time I saw a guy that every time Carl Edwards would go by, he would he would motion him um. Very, very With little finger. No, it wasn't even the finger. I've saw little kids give Kyle Bush the finger before, <laughs> though, after he wrecked Dale Jr. at Richmond Gosh. a long time ago. Like the next month, I saw kids in the front row just giving Kyle the finger That's every time he came by. But this guy would, would, um, you know, motion. Ew, very, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, you yeah, know what I mean? The time defense at Richmond was pretty badass, too. I'm not encouraging people to do that. That's dangerous. Don't, don't do it. But man, that was, I looked down there and I'm like, holy crap there's a guy on top of the fence yeah i don't don't ever do that kink is that if that fence if you fall over that man that's gonna be this that's is gonna definitely be the best question whoever asked this wins the hat though right how yeah. about that uh was it last year or the year before they had the great walenda nick walenda he did the tightrope walking over uh, oh yeah, the track yeah, yeah. At Charlotte Motor Speedway. yeah i was very anxious for about 10 i minutes. think that orange blowing across the track at chicago that one time <laughs> during qualifying for the xfinity cars was pretty interesting you remember that yeah, that was cool. I think um I think who, who was on the track? I can't remember who was it was uh, that that dude that drives the mod, um Todd Zegedy was qualifying in jo- in Joe Nemechek's car and the big blow up orange came for Tropicana came blowing across the track. So, that was interesting. All yeah. right, so according to you guys, at M Bishop Photos gets the Elliot Sadler autographed hat and heck I'm going to throw in an yeah, autographed hero question. card too. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. So, Brett, do you have anything that you'd like to rant about today for TJ to jump in on? Anything yeah, in man, particular? Yeah, man, I think people are just too sensitive, you know, in today's world in general. I mean, whether they're talking about racing or politics or whatever, man, people need to get thicker skin and stop being so wimpy and stop letting other people's opinion offend you. It's a free country. You're, you're free to have your opinion. If you don't like what somebody says, then don't listen to them. Unfollow them on Twitter. Just have some common sense, people. Quit being so wimpy and sensitive. Here, here. Yeah. You know, everyone has different opinions. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean you have to make a big deal out of it. You know, everybody, everybody's going to find something offensive. I, I don't like the way Kristen just drank the water out of the water <laughs> bottle. I'm very offended by that. Um, you should be. Um, you know, everybody's just too worried about everybody else. Just do your own deal and, and uh, have fun. Don't waste your time worrying about other stuff. So, yeah, I got the 48 right now. Cali predictions, TJ just took the 48. 
Oh, man, that's a great pick. Jimmy Average is like a first-place finish out there. Well, you took – dude, you took uh, you took Harvick at Phoenix. You always take his. Hey, no. I let, I let you pick yeah. first, so you can't yeah, say I, I, yes, I, I took said, Harvick because you didn't pick him. I, I, I mean, said I, either Harvick week, or the field. It's very clear well, that's like the best guy, right? He so didn't I'm have to pick Harvick. The other best guy, and Kyle Busch will win at California. You could have picked You could have picked Landon to win Phoenix. And I would have picked I, I the field. I could just about pick anybody and be whoever you're picking. And, right now. Yeah. I'm, and to I'm be like honest, on fire. My worst finish is third. And to be honest, I gave you the pick first, and you took the Look, field. Look, yeah, I took the field. I didn't think I, – I honestly thought that Harvick could be beat this time. So, um, And he, he almost did. <laughs> he almost did. I actually anticipate California being a great race because yeah. the straightaway speeds are very, very high. And the corner speeds are very low, which means they're on the brakes, they're free rolling, they're having to drive these cars. If these guys go out there and can run wide open, it's a snooze fest. It's boring. So yeah, you're going to drive them. A great race this weekend with this rules package. I, I agree. What's your uh, What's your I, I'm going to do the over under on you. 25. Uh, I'll take under on that for sure. We're really? definitely going to run better than 25. Oh, I'll take the this over. This one of Clint's best tracks. I mean, our cars have certainly had some struggles and some gremlins and. Man, it's been it's been a challenge, but this is one of Clint's better tracks. If we get it close, I know that yeah. I know we we can run better than that. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it, Phoenix is tough. I mean, all guy finished 18th in that car, but you know. Yeah, you got to. I just messing with him. I just messing with him. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things. A different rule package, different car, you know, different engineering. I mean, it's 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 a different year. I mean, and obviously Justin's a you know good driver at short tracks. Not taking anything away from him, but. He wouldn't. I mean, no, it's different. It's different now. You no, know, it's it's different now anyway, though. But hey, what about? Did you eat? Uh, how's the octopus? Oh, that was a gross. Man, picture. we're eating it tonight. Yeah. So that's so, disgusting. That was nasty. It is. Tonight. I'll tweet another picture tonight. No, you're so good. Last night we started cooking the octopus, and tonight we're gonna we're gonna grill it. And I'll tweet another picture, man. I'm out here with my buddy Kevin. He manages Blake Shelton. We're gonna get Blake on this show, by the way. We're gonna we're gonna figure out a way, maybe around Texas, to get Blake on, and then. Uh, Casey Kane's bus driver Brad Little's here with us, so we're we're gonna grill out tonight, man. Drink some beers, and eat some octopus. Yeah, that sounds all in banana hammocks. Enjoy. That's gonna be awesome. All grossest visual. With curly it. straws, banana hammocks, and octopuses. TJ is obsessed <laughs> with you in a banana hammock, and it's quite well. He sent me, he sent me this picture. Oh, mind. I don't. <laughs> what? TJ <laughs> has a infatuation with bananas anyway, so it's it's this is normal lingo. I'm not. I'm gonna leave that one alone right now. So, <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, I uh, appreciate you joining us. Make sure you check out iTunes and give us a rating. Make sure you let us know what you think. Shoot a review on there, whether you like it, dislike it, want to talk to Kristen, whatever you want to do. Um, <laughs> check it out. Make sure yeah, you. Yeah. Ask CBC after race. Yeah. Thanks to One Main for having us again. You know, bringing it to our millions of listeners around the world. We love you guys. Growing daily. Thanks, One Main. See you guys. Thank you. See ya. Bye. See you later. At One Main Financial, we believe in the importance of community. That means partnering with our neighbors to reach common goals, lending a hand when it matters most, and commitment to our neighborhoods. Community isn't just where you are. It's where you make a difference. One Main Financial, not just in the neighborhood, but part of your community. Providing personal loan solutions and one-on-one local service. One Main Financial, your needs, your goals, your dreams. Offer subject to restrictions and requirements of the licensee. For licensing information, visit our website or call us. You've been listening to Door Bumper Clear. Brought to you by One Main. For updates on Elliott Sadler and the number one junior motorsports team, go to OneMainRacing.com.
Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo' Radio.